0: Connect. Influence. Optimize. You're listening to The Channel Channel, a podcast for executives and others involved in the authorized sale of electronic components. Brought to you by the ECIA, the Electronic Component Industry Association. Working to promote and improve the authorized distribution channel.
1: Welcome to The Channel Channel. This is David Loftus, CEO of ECIA and host of this session of The Channel Channel, a podcast sponsored by the Electronic Components Industry Association, covering topics that are important for participants of the electronic supply chain. This podcast is a bit different than our normal live interviews. We're bringing you an alternate format of an important recent webinar that we conducted with two public policy experts From national association manufacturers where we discuss the urgent need to block ill-advised increases in corporate tax rates to pay for the pending 3.5 trillion dollar reconciliation bill here now are the highlights from that critical webinar
0: great thank you david and thank you for having us today we're really excited to be in front of the group um, so for today, um, I, I will only be on for about 15 to 20 minutes or so. So if you have questions on anything I'm, I'm presenting, I encourage you to drop them into the chat early so David can get them in front of us. Uh, the way we're going to approach this today is I'm going to talk a little bit about the current state of play, what's going on inside the Beltway, specifically inside the Capitol today, uh, a little bit about what's in the, uh, the, the bills that we know of, um what the NAM has been doing and then what you can do to 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 get involved here so that's kind of the the flow here between Mike and I so let's let's just hop right into it uh the state of play is very much live as you all have seen uh with uh, votes being held open until after midnight last night and continuing to work through negotiations today in the house now in the House, what we're seeing is is a dynamic that's existed really for the last uh, month plus or so, where, where two bills, the fate of two bills have really been tied together. That's the bipartisan infrastructure framework and the reconciliation bill. We're going to focus primarily on the reconciliation bill today, but, uh, but uh, I, I mentioned the BIF, as it's called uh because they're linked there are two warring factions right now there are the 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 moderate faction of of democrats and the progressive faction of house democrats Um, and the moderates very much want to see a vote on the on the bipartisan infrastructure framework. In fact, they they were promised to vote on September 27th, which you know obviously we're now in October. That that didn't happen. Uh, whereas the progressives say, hey, that that's great, uh, but we really want to see a vote on the the reconciliation bill first uh, before we vote on the on the on the bipartisan infrastructure framework. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because we're in the middle of a vote counting exercise. Uh, Given the slim majority in the House, Democrats can only lose three votes. Um, And there are dozens of members in the kind of conservative to moderate um, uh, 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 House Democratic caucus and dozens of members in the Progressive Caucus um so so where you can only lose three votes you really need to to somehow thread the needle and appease both sides um and there is a a superimposed on that is the slim actually no majority in the senate where every single democratic member would have to come together in order to to pass uh, these pieces of legislation. Now the Senate has already voted on the bipartisan infrastructure framework, so they need to get all 50 senators to approve the reconciliation bill. And it's really the reconciliation bill that we're going to focus on today, because that, that is, um, it's called, it's been called a number of things, an investment in human capital, a human infrastructure bill, uh, call it what you will. Uh, there's a there's a lot of spending in there. It's about a $3.5 trillion spending bill r- right now. Um, and that's not really the focus uh, of today. Um, what I'd like to focus on today are the pay-fors in that bill. That is the the, the tax increases in there. Um, and the, the spending piece matters uh, because, as some of you all, if you've been following this closely, you may have seen... Uh, Senator Manchin, one of the the key kind of centrist Senate Democrats, released yesterday a a letter that he sent to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer over the summer, laying out kind of his framework, his view, what in his mind at that time was going to be acceptable for a reconciliation bill. And the takeaway there is that he he is comfortable with a $1.5 trillion reconciliation bill, The House is currently looking at a $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Uh, Again, put it in the context of those two warring factions. uh, Progressives believe $3.5 trillion is desperately needed for the country. Moderates say there is no way $3.5 trillion is is going to pass the House. Why are you going to make me take a vote? Uh, Pass the Senate. Why are you going to make me take a vote on, on on a bill that will ultimately not become law? so that's kind of what we're looking at here there's there's downward pressure that's being put on that that 3.5 trillion dollar bill right now but that doesn't mean that that we're necessarily out of the woods here's here's where we are on the substance of the bill the bill that's been approved by uh the house ways and means committee and the house budget committee and the bill that that is ultimately uh that the progressives are, are pushing to bring to the floor what that bill has in there in terms of pay-fors, well, they've got a lot of pay-fors, but what I'd like to focus on is the $2 trillion in tax increases that they have in there. Now, let's put that in context. Uh, rewind the clock to 2017, where I, you know, I think the business community uh, was, was largely supportive of tax reform. Um, I know in the manufacturing sector, that's been just sort of a, a net positive across the board. Um, in really demonstrable ways th- that I'll touch on in a few minutes here, uh, but tax reform itself, on a net basis, um, really cost about 1.4 to 1.5 trillion dollars. Right? That was the that was the cost of tax reform cost, if you will, because it um, you know there is a debate on whether or not giving the government less of your money is an actual cost or not. But uh, we'll we'll call it a cost for now. Cost of of, of 1.4 to 1.5 trillion dollars. What this bill has in it is $2 trillion in tax increases. So put it in context, that not only wipes out tax reform, it actually puts hundreds of billions of dollars in in additional tax burden on the backs of businesses right now. And it really is focused on the backs of businesses. Those $2 trillion in tax increases are split about 50-50, with a trillion dollars or so falling on the corporate and international side and a trillion dollars Focused on on businesses that are held through pass through entities. On the on the corporate side, some of the key things we're watching are the increase in the corporate rate. Uh, the the House bill has the the rate going up to twenty six and a half uh, percent. Mansion in his in his kind of framework says he's comfortable at twenty five percent. So that the two sides are pretty close on rate. Um, they also have new, uh, limitations on interest deductibility, um, that, that really affect the most globally engaged companies, um, uh, if that, that really turn on the location of your debt, where it is in your global structure, and in fact would impose new limitations on your ability to carry forward excess, uh, interest limitations uh, that is, um, that could lead to a scenario in which your ability to deduct interest or your, your allowed interest deductions are ultimately foregone uh, because you, you, you've exceeded the carry forward period. Uh, on the positive side of the corporate side, uh, they, they did include a, a, manufacturing priority, and that is addressing the amortization of research and development costs. That is a, a, change that was scheduled to take effect, that is scheduled to take effect on January 1 of next year that would make it, uh, more expensive to do R and D uh, here in the U S. The, the, the house bill does temporarily delay that change from going into effect. Now that that is one positive in here. Uh, so let me run through a couple more of the negatives here. Uh, for for our most globally engaged businesses, there's a whole suite of changes on the international front that would frankly make the U S. less competitive. You know, changes to the so-called guilty regime, which is really the, the U S. version of a foreign minimum tax that would increase the rate, um, it would uh, reduce a deduction that, that is currently available for, uh, for businesses that have operations overseas, uh, i.e. Uh, sort of a, 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 an accounting for your investment in fixed assets overseas, if you will, for in your brick-and-mortar investments, uh, uh, drawing a distinction between intangibles that could easily be moved around the globe. Uh, that that gets reduced, that benefit gets reduced, and they move to a more onerous system on how you actually account for your your guilty liability, moving to a country-by-country regime instead of a sort of a global aggregate regime. There's limits on your, new limits on your ability to carry forward your foreign tax credits. Uh, Again, keep in mind what foreign tax credits are meant to be. They're meant to eliminate THE incidence of double taxation that is the same income being taxed both overseas and in the United States these new limits would actually uh, move your ability to carry your tax limit your foreign tax credits uh, current the current law is you can take your foreign tax credits back one taxable year to reduce income last year if you have excess credits or forward 10 years so anytime in the next 10 years uh, the, the the new limits in the in the house bill would actually, Eliminate the backwards looking provision and only allow you to carry your foreign tax credits up five years four or five years. So it's a pretty significant change in in your ability to use foreign tax credits, which could in fact lead to double taxation on on income earned overseas. Um, there's also a, a reduction to the benefit, of the so-called FDII benefit, uh, that is a, a, a benefit in the tax code, an incentive to locate intellectual property in the United States that is then uh, commercialized overseas, but keeping that IP in the U.S. For some reason, uh, the, the, the policymakers have made a call to reduce that benefit, which could, in fact, incentivize more movement of IP outside of the United States. Uh, the, the beat regime a sort of anti-avoidance tax becomes more, more onerous, much more onerous for companies that have uh, uh, global, global groups. On the pass-through side, um, recognizing that in the manufacturing sector, we have a huge, just a massive supply chain um, that is really populated by small and medium-sized businesses that are generally organized as pass-throughs. So these are businesses whose income is taxed at the individual rate instead of the corporate rate. Those guys um, take a, a pretty significant hit here again. Another trillion dollars in tax increases on them. Uh, kind of the headline there is taking that indi- that top individual rate up from 37% to 39.6%, uh, essentially eliminating a, a a currently existing deduction for pass-through business income uh, for for high and in- so-called high-income uh, individuals. Uh, but really, the, the way the manufacturing industry is structured, it, it would essentially eliminate it for most manufacturers. And then new taxes that would be applied to, to people, a, a new 3.8% Medicare surtax that would be applied to business income above $400,000 for individuals or a half a million dollars for married couples, and a new 3% surtax on individuals, uh, including you know individuals who earn income through pass-throughs. With income over five million, um, these guys also face a slew tax increases. If their businesses happen to be family-owned and they're they're looking to transfer to the next generation, they would get hit with a, a capital gains tax increase from twenty percent to twenty-one point uh, from twenty percent to twenty-five percent, uh, and the estate tax exemption exemption essentially gets cut in half here. So more of your estate would be subject to tax. So that is a a really significant parade of horribles, and we've only kind of scratched the surface, uh, there, there's a lot more that we can talk about in there on the, uh, on, on how those in, those provisions work and some provisions that we haven't even touched here, uh, that, that are currently floating around and being discussed, like, um, on the Senate side in particular, um, uh, but, you know, that there, there is a lot more that can come here. That's just what we know that it is that is in legislative text. So uh, how, do we, how do we deal with this? Uh, the, the question is, how do we protect the manufacturing economy and really the, the US business environment from just becoming globally uncompetitive? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, for, from our perspective here at the NAM, we've been looking at this since 2018. Since the since, uh, tax reform was enacted, we knew it was going to be on us to have to defend that. Uh, so we've been doing a couple of things since then. We've been running a campaign called Keeping Our Promises uh that that really highlights what our members what manufacturers around the country especially small and medium-sized manufacturers have been able to do because of tax reform uh and those stories have been coming out on a a regular basis we have one that we just released this week uh, and they all kind of tell the same story because we're hearing this same story across the the manufacturing economy and that is tax reform creates a more competitive business environment that has allowed manufacturers to hire more workers to to increase salaries and to invest in their businesses. Now that is, as a narrative, is really compelling. I will tell you that that narrative is actually backed up by data. So tax reform passed in 2017. What happened in 2018, the year after tax reform, manufacturers added 263,000 new jobs in just that year. That was the single best year for job creation in manufacturing, more than two decades. In 2018, manufacturing wages went up 3%, and then continued to go up in 2019 and 2020, being really the fastest rates of annual growth for manufacturing wages since 2003. Capital spending continued to grow at robust rates, and manufacturing production grew by about uh, 2.7%, I believe, in, in 2018, with December 2018 being the best single month for manufacturing output in more than a decade um so the data really supports w- what we've seen anecdotally and so it, it's on us to make sure we're telling that story on, on the importance of tax reform we've been doing that obviously we'll, we engage with Capitol Hill on right now a, a daily if not hourly basis uh but we've you know we've also taken the opportunity to meet with uh, in addition to taking the opportunities to meet with those key members of Congress who are who are who are who wanna have a conversation on business taxes, and even those who who do not want to have the conversation, we will, we will have the conversation with them. You know, we've we've, we've been engaged in very visible ways. You know, we put our CEO in, of the, in front of the Senate Finance Committee earlier this year to talk about the importance of a competitive tax environment to the manufacturing economy. So we continue to to, to bang that drum. And in a, in a in an all-democrat Washington, um, I I will say this, and this is not controversial. It should not be controversial to anyone. Uh, but the business community coming in and saying, hey, we think low taxes are good is of limited utility. Those stories are really helpful. They set the framework. But you're going to need more to break through in an all-Democrat Washington. Um, and so what we've done there is we've really focused in on the data, right? So we used a number of tools here to, to, to really buttress our message and say, hey, lawmakers, it's not just anecdotally that this small business in your district says the tax reform is good. Here's what the data says, right? Uh, about a couple of weeks ago, we, we released our manufacturing outlook survey. This goes out to all of our 14,000 members. Um, we pulse po- we them on the state of the manufacturing economy every single quarter. We've been doing it for decades. Uh, and we asked them, you know, what does, what do, what do higher taxes mean to you? I will tell you 94% of manufacturers said that higher taxes would be harmful to their business. 90% said it would be more difficult to expand their workforce, invest in new equipment or expand their facilities if, if taxes went up. And 91% said that higher taxes would, just, would also make it more difficult to raise wages. Um, in addition, we've also looked outside of our own membership. So, you know, we, we engaged um, economists from around the country to to get a to act as third party validators here, or we'll be posted to them in really an academic way. Hey, what would happen in on a macroeconomic basis if these tax if these tax increases were adopted? I will tell you, we've done a number of studies. We've done some studies on the domestic tax increases, the international changes, and in the state. Tax changes, and the story is consistent across them. Instead of going into all of those studies, because they can be very dense, these, these are economists that have done these studies. I will just touch on on one of them. Uh, we had two economists from Rice University analyze kind of the, the key. Uh, key tax increase planks of of the Biden administration's domestic agenda, that is taking the corporate rate up, increasing those individual tax rates, uh, rolling back that pass-through deduction, and a few other items there. And we said, hey, um, you two economists from Rice University who, by the way, happen to have developed the model that the Joint Committee on Taxation uses to analyze congressional tax legislation, so this is, these are not two yahoos. These are the, the people who developed the thing that, that lawmakers rely on. Uh, so what does that mean for the United States to try to understand the impact here? And the result that they came back with was, hey, if you adopt that suite of tax changes, many of those are, in, are included in this house reconciliation package. If you adopt that suite of tax changes, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna lose a million jobs in the United States in the first two years an almost immediate loss of, of a million jobs. And then depending on where you set that corporate rate, um, if you set the corporate rate at 25% as, as Senator Manchin has in its framework, what would happen there is that on a going forward basis over the next decade, in addition to that million jobs you lose, you're gonna lose the equivalent of about a half a million jobs every single year over the next decade. Those are terrifying numbers, but that's what the data says tax increases have a real impact on business, Um, you know, and what those don't, what that data doesn't show is something that everyone here on this call kind of intuitively knows, that when you create an environment that, um, that hostile to business, the U.S. starts to lose some of its competitive advantage. Um, capital is mobile. We want the next manufacturing dollar to be invested in the United States. But these kinds of changes can make it really, really hard for that to happen. So that's a little bit of what we're doing. And and David, you let me know if there's any questions that that have come in on on this point yet. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Mike here to talk a little bit more about what we're doing and how you can get engaged. But I'll I'll hang on for a few more minutes if there's any questions you need for me.
1: Yeah, no questions from the audience yet, Chris, but I would like to ask a question just uh, in the context of our audience. So obviously National Association Manufacturers rightfully advocates for the manufacturing community, and that obviously gets a lot of great attention in the press. We also represent distributors and even manufacturers rep firms that can, can range from a few million dollars, upwards of $20 billion in revenue and they're large multinational corporations. It's important to note that all of these tax provisions hit all corporations, not just the manufacturers, which we're talking about today. So our distribution members are going to get hit by the by by the international aspects of this. They're going to get hit by the corporate uh, tax rate uplift. And a lot of our our rep firms uh, members are pass through businesses. They uh, and would be affected on the individual taxation rate, plus any kind of of um, of inheritance tax uh, impact as well. So all of our membership is going to be dramatically impacted if these provisions go through
0: that that is a great point and and i apologize my manufacturing bias came through in those remarks that's okay
1: you guys should be advocating for manufacturing but i just want to make sure that you you guys uh are are in agreement that, that that
0: would affect all of our members significantly
1: absolutely
0: these provisions apply to all businesses manufacturing uh distribution Financial services, real estate—I mean, it, this this affects the entire U.S. business community equally. It is bad for everyone. Full stop. Yeah,
1: and uh, the other point that I'll I'll just make before we turn over to Mike is that uh, the the statistic that that sticks in my head from uh, my previous work in D.C. is that U.S. If you add U.S. federal corporate taxes plus the state tax plus other tax burden that U.S. companies in general, especially manufacturing, faced before the 2017 tax breaks, the highest combined tax rates of all 35 OECD countries. 2017 took us down a few notches, but didn't really get us competitive with the Ireland's and the Malaysias of the world.
0: This takes us right back to the top. It takes us back up. And in fact, it gives us a higher corporate tax rate than China's. That can't be the right answer, that, that simply can't be the right answer. Thank you so much, Chris. And
1: uh, we'll, we'll now turn it over to Mike for this uh, discussion on how our listeners can advocate for this cost. Well, thank you, David. And uh, thanks
2: to ECIA and your members. Uh, David, you've been a terrific partner for us uh, throughout this fight, you know, mobilizing your members, bringing them together here today. So of course we wanna say thank you for that. It's of course Manufacturing Day as well, so um, you know the the strength and vitality of our industry is really front of mind here as we uh, consider obviously workforce opportunities and challenges there, but also the economic environment, and that really leads us to today's discussion. Right? Um, you heard from Chris about I think you put it well the parade of horribles in this bill, and you might be thinking to yourself, all right, what the heck are we going to do about it? The good news is we've got an action plan. The one way we know we lose this issue is if everybody fails to get active, but if everybody gets engaged and begins taking action, we can really move the needle, especially at a pivotal point. So as Chris mentioned, there's a lot of action on Capitol Hill right now. We're not going to bore you with the process. The thing that you need to know, though, is that there are razor thin margins in both the House and the Senate right now, and really the ballgame comes down to Democrats, right? Um, that's, it's, it's a question of uh, Democrats in control of the House, in control of the Senate, certainly in control of the presidency, but just by this much, such that if we move enough votes and we make our voices clear as manufacturers, as distributors, as part of the broader value chain in the business community, to those few voices that are going to matter and those few decisive votes, um, that's really how we win this. So what does that mean? Um, I'll drop a couple of tools here into the chat function in a second, but take a look at your company, take a look at your business relationships, and take a look at where you have employment, and then overlay that with who your congressional representatives are, right? House and Senate. And ask yourself a question Is this somebody who's going to be a key vote um, in terms of uh, deciding the future of tax issues? We're not going to read out a list of names for, for kind of sensitive reasons. But we'd really invite you to take a look at at your footprint and getting involved there. And if you have a question, get involved anyway. It's never a bad step for a business leader or a manufacturer to make your voice heard with a member of Congress. And like I said, we've got a few key tools to help you do that. A really simple and straightforward one, the first one that I'm going to drop into the chat function here, Is the letter that manufacturers and manufacturing organizations are leading right now to show a nationwide uh, uh, concerted uh, message um, in opposition to tax hikes, right? Um, So sign your organization's letter to this. If you've received, or uh, sign your organization's name to this letter, please. Um, If you've done it already, or if you're not sure, that's okay. We'll take care of the back end and we'll pop you a a link when. uh, 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 we finish this and send it up to Capitol Hill. We're working with ECIA and a number of our association partners to make clear that this isn't an NAM issue. This isn't just an ECIA issue. This is something that affects the entire manufacturing industry. So that's the first step. That's easy. That's straightforward. I next want to direct you, though, to our Tax Action Center. I'm just dropping the link uh, here into the chat as well what this is is this is your one-stop shop for talking points resources action tools to make your voice heard with members of congress now david and his team do a terrific job and they can help point you in the right direction too i know they've been sharing out this resource and we really appreciate that but the idea here is to have this all in one place right chris is a really smart policy guy and we love having him on the team but, uh, you know, I'm not a policy guy. Sometimes I need my notes in front of me. Um, that's what we've put together here uh, for you. So those talking points about uh, the the jobs impact uh, on manufacturers and the broader economy, that's all there. Along with, uh, you know, some of the detailed findings of our Manufacturers Outlook Survey, a tool that you can uh, use to contact your member of Congress directly as well as uh, sample stories of how manufacturers have invested in their businesses and facilities and employees after tax reform, certainly sample social media messages, certainly a sample uh, message that company leaders can send to their own employees, um, and a draft letter to the editor. We're also gonna continue updating this, by the way, as the debate proceeds. We're hearing more uh, from our manufacturers, from other associations about what's most helpful here and we're going to continue driving people to this resource so that it's the best thing for everybody to draw from as this fight progresses. Um, I did want to back up, though, and make a single note. Um, you know, all these materials are kind of designed with something very important in mind. According to the Congressional Management Foundation, when a member of Congress is undecided about a specific issue, hearing from about eight to 10 constituent leaders directly, authentically, that's really kind of the tipping point for all it takes you know we talk all about you know lobbying and money and ads hearing from the folks on this call in authentic terms using your expertise just saying hey here's what this issue means to me as a business leader as a constituent as an employer in your community can make all the difference in the world and when we're talking about razor thin margins in the house and the senate especially if we only need to move about five or more Democrats in the House, just one or two in the Senate, using your voice to get in front of those members of Congress is the single most important thing that we need right now. So the resources are there. We encourage you to get involved. Um, For those of you who are kind of wondering, hey, I'm a little new to this. I'm not really sure which way to take this. Go to David. He can work with our team, and we're happy to help walk you through that. Um, because at the end of the day, um, th- this is no uh, pride or, or glory play for, for any of us here. This is about protecting the gains of tax reform and stopping tax hikes on manufacturers and the broader business community. So we're here to work for you. We're here to be a resource. Um, and uh, David, I'll throw it back over to you here
1: to see if we have any other questions for the time being. Super. Thanks, Michael. Uh, doesn't look like we've got any questions from the audience, must be that you guys just did a spectacular job of explaining all the important aspects of uh, of, of this. So I, I guess we'll give everybody a little bit of time back in their day, most importantly to our friends at National Association of Manufacturers that are working so hard for us. Um, I, I will say again that you know the membership in ECIA is, uh, it, it, it is is wonderful for our companies, but we benefit so much from our the strength of our association and working with other associations like NAM. So I, I, I really want to express my sincere appreciation to Michael and to Chris for coming on this morning. We know they're really busy on the Hill with these uh, w- w- with these really important issues that they're dealing with for all of us. I just ask all of our members to um, you know, heed Mike's advice here and request here to uh, pick up your phone, send your email, send any kind of, of information and, and compelling stories that you can to our congressmen and women to be able to ensure that they're hearing from us and understand how this plan needs to be altered. So, Mike, thanks again. Uh, thanks in absentia to, uh, to 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 Chris. I know he had he, a, a lot of things on his plate, and uh, thank all of our members for joining this morning. If please, if any of your peers missed this uh, this presentation, we will post it to the website and strongly encourage people to, um, to 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 be able to pull others in to be able to understand the issue and the. Uh, the requested actions here. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Deb and Steph for setting this up, and we'll talk to everybody soon.